The reality is, though, there are some, there are probably more than what we would like to think that are really excited about school starting up on Tuesday. Not because of the social interaction and not because they love to study and have homework, but they know they'll have at least one or two meals to eat. And they're not going to be hungry all day wondering where the next meal is going to come from. And they're looking forward to the buddy bag program in Covington that sends food home with them every weekend so that they don't go all weekend without eating. There are others who are anxious about school to start because they're not sure about the clothes that they have. They may be too tight or they're going to be mocked because of something wrong with their clothes and they're been handed down for 20 years and way out of style. Have you ever realized how much fashion changes even in a short period of time? I say this to help illustrate this for a moment. I, last year or this year, earlier in the year, at some point in time, I pulled out the outfit that I wore on Lindsay and I's first date. And I put those jeans on and she started laughing because they were obnoxious and ridiculous. And to wear those today would be completely just apart from what is acceptable fashion-wise. Nobody had a problem with them then, but now they're crazy. I mean, think about some of the things that you wore. Some of you are old enough that what you wore is coming back in style. But it it changes, and some of those kids are going to school, and they know they're going to be mocked because their pants are too short, or their clothes are too tight, or they're too stained with dirt. Some worry over every noise that they hear through the night. Many are worried about the future of our nation. I worry about what I think and believe is coming, and what that means for my children. And what they're going to have to face if they're going to continue to be Christians in a culture that is increasingly hostile toward Christians. I say all this to say that we are not lacking in sources of anxiety. If we're honest, we all have things abundantly that make us anxious. And we'll touch on that a little bit more, but I want to look at what Jesus has to say in Matthew chapter 6. It's page 811 in your pew Bibles. And I will give this disclaimer from the start. I am pretty certain, I am 95% confident that most of what I say this morning I've said before. I'm not going crazy and I'm not just repeating myself to repeat myself. I probably sound like a broken record. I remember hearing a story once. There was a new minister that started at the church, and the first week he showed up and preached a sermon, and people were like, hey, that's a pretty good sermon. We appreciated it. The next week, he showed up, and he preached the same one, and everybody said, well, maybe he just, he's new. Maybe he forgot that that's what he preached last week. The third week, he shows up and does it again, and they're starting to wonder about his sanity. The fourth week, he does it again, and finally, somebody goes to him and says, hey, we really like you, and your preaching's good, but... Do you realize that you've preached the same thing four weeks in a row? And he says, well, when you start obeying it, I'll start preaching something else. This, I'm repeating myself today because this is one of those things that when we start listening, I'll quit saying it. 
But I know that the reality is that because of our broken nature, because of the fall, we tend to worry and we tend to get anxious. And so we need this reminder. I don't think this is going to step on your toes per se. This isn't a confrontational when you start listening. It's just one of those that we need that gentle reminder about worry. And so this is what Jesus says in Matthew 6. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, right before this, he's talking about serving two masters. And so in verse 24, I'm going to back up and hit verse 24 because I think there is some connection here. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, that's why I backed up. Therefore, connects what is about to be said to that previous thought. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. They're not preppers, is what he's saying. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus gives a few areas in which he says we're not to worry. A quick summary, your life, your nourishment, your body, your clothes. Those last two may be the same thing depending on how you read that. Those are the four things in which Jesus specifically says, do not worry about these things. And after he says not to worry about these things, he goes into a couple parables to illustrate why. And so he talks about the birds, and they don't store in barns, they don't buy MREs and stock their basement full of them, they don't have gallons upon gallons upon gallons of water storage, they don't have underground bunkers to go hide in, yet God gives them what they need. And then he talks about Solomon. And, and if you remember, one of the things that's always interested me is David really wanted to build a temple for God. And God says, no, you have blood on your hands. Your son Solomon is going to build the temple. And you read the descriptions of the temple and it's huge and it's magnificent and it's filled with gold. And you're like, could there be any more grandiose building ever? And then the next chapter, you read about Solomon's temple or Solomon's palace. And his palace dwarfs the temple of God in almost every way. And Jesus says in all of the money and all of the splendor that Solomon was clothed in, 
the lilies of the field are clothed more ravishly than him. I want to focus in on a few verses here that I think are key for us to understand. The first one is in verse 27. When Jesus, this question, I find this question hilarious because he says, who of you can add a single hour to the span of his life by worrying? That's my paraphrase. That's not an exact quote. And that is funny. If you don't laugh at that question, there's something wrong with your humor because think about it. That question is absurd. Because we know that worry and anxiety is linked to numerous health issues, heart problems, high blood pressure, even cancer. Worry and anxiety is considered a carcinogen. You can worry yourself into cancer. So those of you that are telling people they need to quit using tobacco also need to quit worrying because your worry can get there just get you there just as quick as tobacco can. And so it's funny because Jesus asks this absurd question. Raise your hand if you can add an hour to your life by worrying. Well, of course nobody's raising their hand because they all know that it doesn't happen. The answer is beyond Nobody, because worry does the opposite. But even if we were to disregard the health issues factor and the physical health and adding or subtracting length to your life, does worry not reduce the quality of our life? Even if you couldn't prove that worry shortened the length of your life, we know that it definitely robs from the quality of our life. Think about this question for a moment. When was the last time you knew a warrior who was truly filled with joy? When was the last time you knew a warrior who was truly filled with joy? Because I don't think they can coexist. This is why I backed up and read verse 24. Because Jesus is talking about money and he says you can't serve Two masters, you'll love one and hate the other. You'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. I don't think we can truly worry and serve God. You cannot worry and be filled with joy. They don't coexist. In fact, I was talking recently with a friend of mine whose dad had contracted Lyme disease. And I don't know much about Lyme disease. I learned in this conversation, conversation with him that Lyme disease is a permanent thing in your life. And he started to become overwhelmed because he began to read all of the things that were going to happen to him as this Lyme disease progressed in his life. And all of the things that he was going to be incapable of doing as he went on. And he went back to the doctor and the doctor said, you know, you do have Lyme disease, and you have two options. You can either continue reading all of this information about what's going to happen and ruin your life, but my recommendation is to put the books down and forget you even have it and live your life. Quit worrying about what is going to happen. The next one that I want to point out is verse 33. 
That first word there is always a big word. But seek first. Or, or we could read that instead or rather. Instead of worrying, seek first the kingdom of God. Rather than worrying, seek first the kingdom of God. We cannot, just like we cannot simultaneously worry and have joy, we cannot simultaneously worry and seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. It can't be done because you will be consumed with the worry and not be able to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Because the reality is part of the reason we worry is we're worried about our own kingdom. I think that's part of why Jesus connects this so closely to the teaching on money. When you think about the things that you worry about, maybe not all of them, but a significant portion of them are connected to money. And then verse 34. I love this one too. Each day is full of enough problems of its own, so don't add tomorrow's stresses to today. Today has enough problems sufficient for today or the worries that it has. So just worry about today. Or concern yourself with today. Oh, let's, let's rephrase that. Sorry. Focus on today because it's got enough problems. Why add to the problems that you're going to face today by worrying about the imagined problems of tomorrow? that may not be problems at all. I mean, how many times have we worried about something and wasted an entire day worrying about what might happen only to face the next day and see that the opposite happened? And we wasted a day of our life worrying about the imagined that didn't become reality. And, and so the question that we are brought to is how do we rid ourselves of worry when it hits, so that we can seek God's kingdom and his righteousness and be filled and live lives of joy. Because there are a lot of things to worry about. I'm going to give us a list of things that we might worry about. And for some of you or some of us, this list itself might well up anxiety within you going, I can't even think about these things without worrying. Things like nourishment and clothes and finances and shelter your house or your lack of house, loved ones making destructive choices, loved ones who are debilitatingly sick, loved ones who are terminally ill, loved ones you aren't sure if they're right with God or not, loved ones who are suffering due to the poor choices of another. We could go on with this list, but I think there's a sufficient amount of worry and anxiety in this list by itself. We've got a lot of things to worry about, so how is it that we can get past these so that we can keep our joy and we can deal with today and we can seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? And I, I really believe that the answer lies in what Paul says in Philippians 4. It's going to be quick when we read it, so if you don't want to turn there, you can listen, but it's page 962 if you would like to turn there. Verses 6 through 7, 
Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And when you do this, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think we, are, we need to use our worry as a prompt to prayer. We should use our worry as a prompt to prayer. When we begin to worry about any of those things on that list, we just need to use it at that moment as a prompt for prayer. Notice what Paul says. Not to be anxious by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. This isn't just a desperate prayer. It is a desperate prayer, but it's done with thanksgiving, knowing that no matter the outcome, God is going to provide. Think about 1 Thessalonians 4. Because one of the things that a lot of us worry about are those that we love that either have passed away or we're watching in that process. And we think about 1 Thessalonians 4 and we think about 1 Corinthians 15 where Paul reminds us that we mourn, but we don't mourn like those without hope. That's 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Corinthians 15 it, it explains why we don't worry with mourn like those without hope because if Christ has raised from the dead and he has promised to do the same for us, then it indeed is going to happen. And so we can pray with thanksgiving, understanding that even if it doesn't turn out the way that we want it to here and now, God's plan is bigger. Lindsay's cousin passed away this week, and I was talking with someone this morning, and they commented that she is better off than us because she is no longer fighting the nasty disease that came upon so quickly and took away from her quality of life. And so we mourn, but we don't mourn like those without hope because we know that she is no longer in pain. A friend of mine, one of his ways of dealing with distractions when studying, because the reality is, if we try to set aside time to spend time alone with God in his word and in prayer, it is an inevitable that we are going to be bombarded with distractions when we do that. In his book, The Devil Goes to Church, on, it's a book on spiritual warfare. David Butts from Harvest Prayer Ministries in Terre Haute talks about how he got up at 4.30 or 5 one morning to spend his time in the Word and in prayer and became overwhelmed with this desire that he immediately had to go wash and clean his car because otherwise it wasn't going to be ready for the day. And as he started to get up, he went, Wait a second, when was the last time I woke up at 5 a.m. to wash and clean out my car? And he recognized that that was a distraction from the enemy trying to keep him from doing what he needed to do. And so a friend of mine, one of the things he does to deal with those distractions is he has a notepad that anytime he goes in to study, he takes that notepad with him. So that when the distraction hits him, whether it's something he needs to do later or a thought that he has for something else, he can write it down and let it go. 
Because the problem is, we try to not write it down. If you're like me, you think, oh, I'll remember that. And you spend all of your time distracted trying not to forget what you needed to remember, and you still miss what you're doing. And that's what I'm saying to do with worry. I think when worry hits, rather than putting it off till later, saying I'll deal with it later, we just need to stop in the moment and spend time in prayer and ask God to intervene and let go of it. Then we have the freedom to forget about it. And we can pursue and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and that joy that is provided in such. And so this morning we're going to Take some time to pray over our anxieties. The first was we're going to pray over our needs or needs of others because sometimes we get anxious and worrisome over the needs of those that we love and we're not sure that they're going to be able to make their house payment or have enough food. And so spend a moment praying for needs, for nourishment, for clothes, for finances, for shelter, whatever those things that you worry in this area. Spend some time praying about that. Lord, sometimes our everyday needs overwhelm us with anxiety. Whether it be clothes or food or how we're going to pay our bills, what we're going to do about a housing situation, we find ourselves paralyzed because of these worries. And so I pray that you would remind us of the way in which you care and provide for us. Help us to trust you and to rid ourselves of this worry. Amen. I want to encourage you to take a moment to pray for those who are suffering. Uh, whether they're suffering because they're debil debilitatingly sick or they're suffering because they're termini terminally ill or they're suffering because they're suffering the consequences of another person's poor choices. I think this may be one of those really large anxieties for us, where we see those that we care about suffering because they're immobile because of some sort of disease that they have, or they're, we're watching them slowly as they're terminally ill, or we're watching them because their parents or their children or Somebody is making poor choices and they're suffering those consequences. Spend a little bit of time praying over those things.
Lord, there are so many names that come to mind, even of people that have received news this week of something that is just going to debilitate them the rest of their life because there's no fix for it or because they've been told that there's nothing they can do for their sickness and disease and that ultimately it's going to lead to death more quickly than they would like. Names of people who are suffering because others in their lives have made poor choices and they have no control over that, but they are excluded from the consequences and the pain that come from those poor choices. Lord, often in those times we're speechless. I think it's in these times that we often feel forsaken and abandoned. I pray that we would give those anxieties to you, that we would ask for you to intercede in those areas, that we would trust you to bring healing, that we would trust you to give the strength that is needed for each day, and that you would ultimately use those situations to glorify yourself. Help us to have the trust to not be paralyzed with the anxiety from these things. Amen. Lastly, there's some connection here to the previous one, but I want to encourage us to spend a moment praying for the wayward. Those who are making destructive decisions or those who we're not quite sure if they're right with God or not, but there's something in us that suspects that maybe they're not. Spend a little bit of time praying about those situations as well. Lord, I suspect that many of the names that come up in our minds now are names that we were thinking of previously, names of those that we love that are sick, that we're not sure if they know you, names of those who others are suffering because of their poor choices, and we just want them to come back to you and to quit making destructive decisions. Lord, I pray that you would move in their lives, that you would put people in their lives, to show them your love and your grace and your call to discipleship. I pray that you would use us, help us to understand that their name coming to mind at this time is a call to us to minister and to show them Christ and his love. May we pray for them, but may we also realize that we may be the answer to that prayer as well. Enable us to not just sit back and pray, hoping that someone else will come along and do the work. May we be willing to do that work also. Amen. There is no simple quick fix to worry. That wasn't 
my goal this morning. I do believe that we need and should use worry as a prompt to prayer, but the reality is this doesn't completely rid us of worry. There is no way for us to just get beyond being anxious and worrying. We can say we just need to have more faith and to trust God more, but the reality is that worry still comes upon us. And so while I'm not trying to offer this, and so I hope it doesn't sound like some sort of quick fix, get rid of worry in your life now kind of thing, because that's not what it is. But I think that this is the best way for us to deal with our worry productively and to actually maybe get rid of it from our lives eventually. Because I'm convinced that the only way we can keep our joy and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness is if we give, get rid of our worry and get beyond our worry or at least get rid of it for the moment. Because the reality is that worry is paralyzing. Sometimes it paralyzes us physically. It, it causes inaction because we're worried about something that might happen if we go somewhere. We're worried what might happen if we step foot on a plane so we don't travel to see people that we love. Sometimes it's physically paralyzing. Often, I think it's mentally paralyzing. We can't think about anything else because we're stuck on what it is that we're worried about. But I believe that it is always 100% of the time spiritually paralyzing. Because if we're stuck in that worry, we cannot trust God. We have to turn that over to him and recognize that and move beyond that in order for us to grow spiritually. And so this is just a call and an encouragement to say, as we continue the rest of our lives, I imagine, to battle worry and anxiety, let's start to use it or continue to use it or more effectively use it as a prompt for prayer so that we can get rid of it and move on until it comes back. And we can get rid of it and move on until it comes back. And maybe the more we do that, the longer we have in between times that it returns. And the longer we can spend pursuing God's kingdom and his righteousness and living lives of joy. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you that when we are reminded of Jesus' words on the cross, and we turn to the psalm that he was quoting and pointing them back to. We realize that it begins as a psalm of despair, but it ends as a psalm of hope because of the deliverance that you provide. And so I pray that as we worry and as we are anxious, that we would give those worries to you, that we would sacrifice them in prayer and move on as many times as it takes remembering the hope that lies at the end. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.